You're listening to Red Nation Online. Hey, Eastside Stand Up listener. As always, we appreciate you downloading the podcast and want to ask you a quick favor. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you checked out rednationonline.ca. Added us on Twitter at rednationonline. Give us the thumbs up on Facebook as well as iTunes. Any or all of those would be awesome. Thanks so much and enjoy another episode of Eastside Stand Up. Saturday, September 21st, it's Steve Perry and I'm Ian Clark, and we're back, soaked from BMO Field and a 2-1 loss to Sporting Kansas City. The common theme of glimpses of good form was dashed by a gap in quality and determination, specifically that of C.J. Sapong, who netted both goals and left TFC now winless in eight. With nothing left to play for, other than improving on the disaster that was 2012, we first run through the match, but then switch off-field to discuss the hiring of Tim Bezbachenko, more news on Tim Lywicki and designated players, and finally, look ahead to D.C. next weekend with concern for points with Jonathan Osario and Steve Caldwell both serving suspension. All in the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Thawing out, drying out. After uh, we're back from a, a wet game, but I thought you know we had hope. I had I, th- I had hoped that we were going to win this one or at least get a result. Well, it was raining. It was raining, you know. <laughs> and uh, at one point we were tied. We were level at uh, going into the half. Unfortunately, we couldn't hold on to it, and uh, I think we just got beat by a better side, which is kind of obvious. But you know, when the elements are yeah in play. Uh, it's usually a leveling factor. Yeah, and I think I think what you saw through this game too was just when we look when you compared the two lineups, you could see there was quality deficiency on Toronto compared to yeah. Kansas City. Kansas City has a really strong, they have a really strong core uh, and some really key players that and players who obviously we saw who haven't had a great season, but they rose to the occasion, got through for the win for the team. Um, you know, and when you look at Toronto, uh, you know, we were sitting in the stands and some of us were actually running through, you know, who's going to be here next year? And really, save for that back line, we had a lot of questions on who's good enough on this team moving forward. Well, you think the back line's solid? Uh, I think there's some guys. I mean, when you, I look at uh, Daniel Henry and Steve Caldwell. Yeah, that's the only two, though. Yeah. And, I don't think I anyone mean, else is so safe. Well, and I feel like, I mean, Ashton Morgan, I still think he has potential. So hopefully he keeps playing well. And Yeah, but they've already tried to get rid of him once. Yeah. It makes me think he's on the chopping block. Or he's, a, you know, he's uh, at least something that's, he's somebody who's going to be He's got to fight for his suspendable. position Yeah. Like, dispensable. Uh, and then, of course, the right back. There's We haven't seen Richard Eckersley for two games. And uh, Mark Bloom's been in. And it might be kind of something that's coming down to you know, Richard Eckersley's salary is really high. For the league, but coming into this game, uh, I or think maybe he's earned the salary. <laughs> <laughs> he got that salary before he was made taking those shots. This Unfortunately, year. none of those have resulted in any goals. No, they haven't. Um, you know, we have coming into this game. We are coming out of 
we're coming out of that uh, 2-0 loss to the Red Bulls and one that I think a lot of people sort of saw. I mean, guess going away to New York, that's a game that has 5-0 or 4-1 written all over it, Yeah. Uh, given the history of Toronto playing in New York. But uh, a 2-0 loss where they didn't look overwhelmed, maybe is the word I think that might best describe it. And because of that, I think there was some a general feeling of positivity. But of course, the one thing that was uh, coming into this game, I think that was a big uh, obstacle for Toronto to overcome was the loss of Jonathan Osorio, who uh, you know didn't get a card during the game, but after they reviewed this play and uh, decided to give him uh, a two-game suspension, which I think uh, hurt, obviously hurt Toronto this week, and I think it will hurt them next week because uh, Steve Caldwell also got a card this game. That's two key players from this year that uh, won't be around for the DC match. Uh, one that I think people think should be a guaranteed three points and uh, maybe not so much anymore. But also in card trouble, I think, is Dwayne DeRosario. Yeah, who, what, you were saying that it sounded like he might be on suspension He's, he's as well? got a two-game suspension, uh, which I think will still be in effect on next Saturday's game. Okay. Which um, maybe will... Um, averts a you know the insult to injury where former Toronto FC uh, <laughs> players score on us, right? Yeah, as is, was the case with Carl Robinson, right? And the Red Bulls, but Jeff Cunningham, yeah, Louis Silva will still be on hand probably. Oh, for, is he playing for DC? For DC, yes. Uh, well, um, he can do some damage. He definitely can, and he'll probably be motivated too. Definitely. And so let's go on this game. Speaking of motivation, um, when we look at Toronto's lineup, of course, that was the change was Osorio came out and we saw Daryl Russell go in uh, and, and we see the midfield. Who scored? Who scored? He did score the goal. Oh, yeah. So that was actually, hmm, you know, some food for thought there that, you know, Osorio comes out and we had someone come in and actually contribute in his absence. Bobby Convy is a guy who used to play for a sport in Kansas City and left that team not necessarily on the best of terms. So he came out today. I was expecting him. I thought he played okay um, to, to have something to prove. I saw him yelling at people. I mean, he wanted to win. Yeah. I, I think he had something to prove for sure. I think... I don't think... He, I mean, I don't know what you're saying. I, I think I, you're leading somewhere, but I am I would say he looked like he was in fighting spirit. Yeah. I, I actually think he hasn't had the stats or like the goals or anything to, to necessarily back it all up in the last maybe three or four weeks. But I think I've seen... You've seen Convy get his form back, evolve into his, or maybe just get comfortable. And there's been more cohesiveness now with him on the side where it just wasn't there, obviously, when he first came over because he hadn't played all season. And, of course, Toronto was just doing something completely different than Kansas City was. Uh, but I think the last couple of weeks, I've really, you've really seen him sort of not just stay out on the wing, but also cut into the middle. Seems I, I, to have good vision. Any dangerous play is coming from him, usually. He seems to be taking a lot of the set pieces. And you also see him playing in, in an ambidextrous kind of way where he's uh, either on the right or the left. He'll play either side, right? You see him switching usually at half or somewhere in the middle of the half. Uh, so, you know, he's just, he's just, like, dangerous, and he can play wherever. Like, yeah. that's the thing. He's, like, really flexible. He's pretty good, I think. Yeah, and he seems to be making smart runs into space, and I feel like if he had a few more guys around him that had yeah, better was- vision... He might be, they might linking. I mean, we've seen actually for a couple of weeks. Our new striker today, he had the ball, I think, or, or maybe it was Wiedemann, one of the two, and they, and he, Combi was clearly open, and if they just slotted it over, I think we would have had another. It was Wiedemann. 
was Wiedemann. Yes. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And that's not the first time in the last few weeks that actually Wiedemann's been I, carrying I the just, ball. Maybe Wiedemann didn't have his head up. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think. I think he was like, you know, running a full tilt and didn't expect the ball and sort of had it. And then, you know, there was, there was f- three players that ran in front of him, but Convy was the one who stayed open long enough to actually it would have been you know perfect to receive the ball yeah and he was far enough away from the defense like that he would you know he could have done something with it but anyway i'm just saying he's like gets in good position too i think Mm -hmm. um but as we're running through this running through this game of course we already alluded to uh the player on sporting kansas city that really made their mark and that was uh, cj sapong trancy supporters who've sort of followed closely the the wheeling and dealings that this team has made over the last few years might look at CJ Spong and, and sort of wonder what if because it was the 2011 season that we decided to trade our draft pick for uh, Nathan Sturgis and thereabouts when Spong was drafted was the pick number that we gave away and I think oh, yeah so interesting yeah so that was a guy maybe I mean maybe not we would have picked him but he was picked around the same realm that the draft pick that we got rid of in 2011. Wow. And that's sort of a disappointing thing to see that uh, the reoccurring story that we've said. And even when we move on further in the podcast and start talking about um, Bezbachenko coming in saying, you know, you got to draft picks are important. You got to build that core of MLS caliber players. Uh, we don't seem to have them so much. Well, we seem to give it away all the time, don't we? The yeah. draft pick. It's good of him to say. Let's hopefully he can stay to the word, true to the word. I mean, it's difficult. He's probably got other pressures, right? And he's a young kid, so I'm thinking, you know, he might also be easily swayed to get rid of draft picks. Yeah. If that's the culture at this club, which it seems to have been, but, you know, we've got new management, so maybe it will be a true change. We'll see. So we see at the... I mean, you know, he looks good on paper and stuff, and I just, just, you know, don't want to... I don't want to fall for the cheerleading that's been going on in <laughs> the local press these yeah. days. Well, we'll get good or bad. I mean, you know, you were talking about Os- off off mic. You were talking about you know how Osario took a roasting on that call and not favorably from our local press. No, I thought it was kind of bizarre, right? Yeah, I thought it was pretty lame to be honest with you. That our own press would be sort of like railing for this guy to get. I don't think suspended. any of that was intentional. No, you know, it was an accident. Who would kick a ball at somebody's face when they're kick when they're down? Unless it was like frustration, and I don't think it was. I think it was just accidental. He has one. He has one yellow card this year. It seems, yeah. He's so it's not, a, he's not the guy even, who's lost his cool. Yeah, there's no there. even any correlation with him being like a dirty play or anything. It was a one like that. The fact that that might not even be considered in the whole play. So the and so for the press to go off like that, I mean, maybe they haven't done their homework or something. I don't know. It's crazy. Well, anyway. That's just a or, or perhaps just poor anal- analysis yeah. is what I would maybe uh, bring it, set it down to. But I want to circle back to Sapong because we were just talking about him and get yeah, through please, his, yeah. his goals because there were two great goals. They're really nice. Both well-timed, headers, man. Yeah, and both well-timed runs. Yeah. Uh, and when you see the first one uh, in the 17th minute where we saw Graham Zussi send a, a beautiful cross. Actually, I think maybe on both. The first one crosses it over to the far side of the post gets headed back over Ashton Morgan, and Sapong had... Well, Henry wasn't back yet, so, I mean, that was a case where both our defense weren't picking up. But it's difficult in this weather to also be man-marking at that point because, like, it's you just it's too... If you're man-marking, it's too easy to get away from, right? So you got to sort of give some space, but it's difficult. I mean, it's just difficult to even be... have any traction, right. I suppose, is what, you know... 
understand it's un- that's understood but i guess if there was dry weather maybe it would be a different story I, I don't it's hard to say i mean really but you know certainly uh it worked in kansas city's favor and i think they you know they showed that they i mean they did the play twice right <laughs> yeah more I, I almost mean, I mean, yeah sapong did did a run on the second one right he was sort of static waiting for the ball to come to him the thing is that he knows where to be uh, as a good the sign of a good striker is like uh knowing about the timing right so you can delay your time or so he delayed his timing on the first one but he accelerated the timing to cut in front of bloom on the second one which beautifully timed i mean bloom was tracking the ball and not paying attention to Sapong. He didn't see him in his peripheral vision, so Sapong had cut in front of him, which is the perfect thing for a striker to do. Beautiful goal. But uh, anyway, it speaks, I think, more to Sapong's talent. Yeah. And maybe not so much. I mean, they're all young guys on the back line, right? Yeah, more or less, so outside of Caldwell. Maybe, inexper- maybe inexperience on our side? I don't know. Yeah. Something else. Well, and you can, and, I mean, to, to be fair, of course, this is Bloom's second game getting a start so but you know what that's a reoccurring theme because you're talking about the traction and we move along of course to the toronto when they level the game in the 38th minute and that was exactly almost what happened whether it was traction or like you said it just didn't look like uh, colin was willing yeah. to just push himself that like, extra foot or two or shuffle well, he, over it looked like he was flat-footed i mean all you have to do is like if you're not flat-footed is to just take a step over and instead he reached for it, and the ball slid underneath his foot. He didn't have it like low enough because he was too busy trying to balance and uh, reach, which you know, it was disastrous. Wiedemann picked it up, which is great because Wiedemann, you know, he's able to, He's. I mean, he did that a couple of times in this. Oh, sorry, it was Ray who picked it up, actually. Oh, was it? Yes. Oh, okay. And then feeds it to Russell, and Russell slots it home. It wasn't a great shot by Russell, but it was low in driving. It's kind of the perfect shot, and uh, it's difficult for a goalie when it's low like that to get. And when it's slick like this, it just takes off. Like it, you know, it doesn't have, like it doesn't slow down because of the carpet, right? It was good. Yeah. It was good. And I was su- actually surprised at that goal because Toronto had. Well, Russell is not a had- guy that we expect for. I mean, people were talking about him being one of those players. You were talking uh, about people who won't won't be here. People were saying Russell's. You know, when are they going to trade him? <laughs> oh yeah, I've definitely offered him up. I would have rather seen him gone than a couple other guys this year than, yeah. than Silva, for example. So he's not somebody that you expect uh, any production from. No, but he's had. Well, you know what? He's had two nice goals this year. Goal that, looked beautiful, man. Yeah, That's and, and to say, I mean, credit to that play was that when that was happening, there was three or four. There was maybe two other guys that were sort of joining in that rush, and uh, that looked like they might have had a better a better chance on goal and you know Ray just kind of laid it off maybe six feet to his right to right to wrestle and he just stroked it in so which made sense I mean the go- the defenseman was more in front of him Russell was open yeah and more central right yeah and your center like that it's, you got more options yeah and it, to sort of go back to when we were giving our initial impression on the game I think I think at that point especially obviously we scored felt the goal, optimistic at that point I yeah. felt I felt very optimistic I thought Toronto was actually looking quite good and at the 44th minute, we almost we almost pulled ahead. I mean, yeah, we were getting lots true, right. of chances down by at our end of the field. We had two, and we had two corners in a row because the uh, and that one uh, was headed off. It the was line. a goal. It was, it going, was a goal. It was going in, except for the uh, great defensive uh, like flick off by the the Kansas City sporting player, right? Yeah. And that guy had it like uh, I don't know what his name is, but uh, he played on the uh, left back, left fullback position. Yeah. Uh, he was. Uh, he was solid, pretty solid. He was ba- he was a great defender actually. Yeah. He was battling all day day with um, whoever was on that right side. Uh, I know Convy was, was switching one of, between Convy and Ray. Yeah, they were definitely. Anyway, yeah, 
He had, he had a tough. I thought he was he was a great defender, actually. Uh, and you know what? We should also mention one thing from that first half as well, right in front of us. I don't know what were your thoughts were on it because we didn't actually discuss it, but there was the play where Colin and Ray went shoulder to shoulder and it looked like he brought up his elbow and, and knocked him down. Yeah, certainly Ray was calling for an elbow. And, and uh, it looked like, I mean, he and was, it, and the it, flag went up yeah. from the from the. So linesman. the linesman called it a foul, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then there was also the question about whether it was in the box or not because it was right sort of on the line. And I guess the referee... But there was a third one, too, is that he was already on a yellow card. Oh. Colin was on a yellow card. I had no idea. It was in the box. So there was all these things that were being played out I saw there. I mean, we could have been up a man. Was it a foul in the box? The, the linesman had obviously called the foul. But I think the referee didn't want to, you know, have it too much, uh, swing it too much, right? So he awarded it outside the box without a yellow card. And, you know, Toronto fans are thinking, well, that's a bit unfair, right, at that point? I mean, what would have the result been if we had been playing this team one man short? Yeah. It would have been a different that's, game? The, the one thing that just didn't... What would, have been hap- what would have happened if it was a penalty kick? Yeah. We would have probably scored. It would have been, we would have been up at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Would Kansas City have been able to come back? It's difficult to say. Yeah. The weather was getting worse, you know? And when your spirits are low... Sometimes that works in your favor, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was a, a turning. That was like a. That was certainly a critical moment. Well, that's a, and the, the thing I didn't right? understand was, of course, the linesman raised the flag on the foul, and Alan Chapman comes over to talk with him about it. There was some significant argue. There was some significant debating going on because the goalie wouldn't leave, and one of the I think the captain wouldn't leave uh, from Kansas City, mm-hmm. and the linesman had to had a whisper in his ear in his other ear that wasn't being yelled at from the other players yeah. I don't know if you noticed that but they were trying to find some the referee was actually trying to get like a moment without those guys fucking yell, lobbying you know yeah. too much right it was kind of that was bizarre because I never I mean I've seen people argue it but I've never seen them continue to argue it like that usually it's like the the because con- they, they knew he was they knew he was going to be on a second usually yellow. there's a contestment there's a contestment and then there's like that's it right but they went on and on about it, and they just wouldn't give this guy rest. And I think, you know, it, I think that played into them to the lines, the referee's judgment, right? Yeah, the ref did so, sort of side with them. Well, the one thing though, I would say that was against Toronto's favor on that play was it did look like Ray was doing his best uh, Sergio Busquets impersonation there, with his hands on his face like he'd been shot, uh, peeking out to see if, if the referee oh, actually caught him doing. He that. also went to the linesman. And continued to demonstrate the elbow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, he felt the need to get in on this because he felt he was being out-argued on this, right? Yep. I was just like, is this a debate? Well, it what, just, what's it, the call, right? It, it, yeah. Just make the decision. Didn't you see it? So, if you didn't see it, go talk to your linesman without these people, right? Yeah. So we come back in from... It's, it's a bit like emotional blackmail in some ways. <laughs> well, yeah, I agree, for sure. Uh, anyway. Yeah. We did. We sort of did get cheated out of that. I, I think it. I mean, as we run through the second half, there's more plays. I think that that referee was that was one of the poorer ones we've seen this year, mm. uh, and and just not to whinge, but just it, he just didn't seem to have that game in control on a lot of things. It looked like he just was like not having it. But to be honest, like uh, in games where, uh, like as an observation, I think when games where there's inclement weather, there's also a lot more falling and a lot more people getting injured and stuff like that. So. Sometimes there's like things that seem more questionable than they are, and I think weather had something to do with it as well. Sure. Just to be, 
not to be honest, but to be like, uh, you know, to, both sides of the coin. Yeah, let's talk about both sides here. Okay, so rolling into the second half, I mean, we know. Well, we've sort of described some things or foreshadowed of the, the goal that's upcoming. But I think also worth mentioning too is that, I mean, this game. I think this might have been one of the more miserable afternoons, weather-wise, at BMO because I can think of some really, uh, you know, torrential of, downpours. I can but, think of two that were bad. Yeah, but where that were worse, but. I think there was a Chicago game yeah. when we played, and the wind was really rough. But I, I wasn't at that game. And then there was a game that got called because of the rain, and it was a Voyager's Cup game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it got called at like the 60th minute or something. They, played, they started playing the second half. There was thunder and lightning. Yeah. And I remember it being super cold. It was uh, either early or late in the season. It was uh, it was definitely rough, too. Well, I think the thing for me, though, is that it was it, like it never stopped. Never let up. Never no. got worse. It was just this like consistent like misery Dri- yeah. just drizzling down on yeah. you the whole afternoon. And it did get worse. I think like around when well, the goal, second half when the second half it got worse for sure. I noticed that it started coming at us from the east side, uh, like right in our face, and it was just coming down. And it wasn't like horizontal, like people complain about, like in Scotland. It, but it was, it was getting like it was like you know. It, it was coming at us. Like, it was actually hitting us in the face yeah. and stuff, so. And Enough one, to make my nephews cry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to say, before, <laughs> one, la- one positive, though, out of the first half miserable. for Toronto was uh, they were two for two on balls of the crotch. <laughs> the ball is crying. <laughs> it works at so many levels. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, a good statistic point, I think we're going to keep tracking through the rest of the season. <laughs> well, it was interesting because it reminded me of like the Hanson brothers or something, right? Yeah. Where you shoot the guy, shoot him in the nuts. So I was just like, well, that's an interesting strategy. <laughs> but it didn't work for us because none, no one got taken out for it. No. Right? So, but there was, I thought there was maybe a third, wasn't there? There was a third, I think the guy turned just in time. Yeah, they seem to still recover. Like, I don't, the first one, I think, was the worst. Yeah. You heard it. You heard it. And there was like a noticeable ouch from the crowd. <laughs> but he still ran. That blush still ran. Yeah. That was the guy, I think, number three, who still kept yeah, on. Uh, maybe Bessler. <coughs> who was injured on the the corner that we uh, almost scored on. Oh, right. Okay. At, at the 44th minute. The ball guy. Yeah. Colano and Opara are the two center backs. And uh, I don't know who the other two were. I don't remember. There was one guy on the far side. Yeah. I remember almost getting uh, nutted by um, Ashton Morgan. <laughs> nutted. Well, yeah, he almost got it in the sack. Like, I think, you know, he came by. He, Ashton Morgan came across it and fucking labeled it. Like, yeah. He just hit him straight. But it, he probably, you know, crunched enough to absorb it with the upper thigh or something. Yeah. Um, because he's, he didn't seem to, he seemed to be able to keep running. Yeah. Like, if you get a square in the nuts, you're just down. Yeah. You want to throw up. Oh, yeah. It goes into your stomach. I've been, yeah, it's happened to me. I've gotten kicked there, actually. Oh. The ball. <laughs> Has been moved and the guy kicked me square in the nuts. You can't do anything, man. <laughs> no, you just buckle over and throw up. Yeah, pretty much. You can't do anything. So this, that's that's the the setting there for the second half. That uh, you know we kind of felt like, hey, when it's get the rain gets worse, it should be in our favor. But yeah. that just wasn't the case. And we actually already went through this goal. But I mean, that's exactly what happened. Was that uh, again, Kansas City, the 60th minute, gets off a throw in and just swings it in. Bloom can't wheel around. And it's funny because it was only two. It was like the throw-in to the player. The player did the cross right away, and Sapong made the run. And it happened like within five seconds. Yeah. Like it was over. Like it was from a throw-in. Uh, from distance, it was a long ball. 
and it was over. Like it was sort of close to half. It was crazy. It was a great goal, but it, like they made distance within short period of time. It was mm-hmm. sort of clinical almost, you know. Well, I mean, Beautiful. that's like we said. That's a difference between you have a team that's stable, right? They aren't doing massive turnover all the time. They aren't turning over the team twice in a year. Yeah, uh, they've they've picked their core players. You know, with like Graham Zusi, for example, CJ Sapong, although he's had a rough year, is is been in that club for three years now. Their backline's fairly stable. They know what to do. It's not, you know, they're not they're not figuring things out and shouting across I each guess, other. And so, what, are you saying that's the difference of consistency? Yes, I say. I, I say. I'm just saying. This that's, probably speaks to David Miller's argument, right? Yeah, but it's also just it's a it's a requisite to be a competitive team in this league. I think you know if you're just it's obvious where where we sit with that and where teams teams might not be doing this sort of massive wholesale turnover all the time, and at the minimum they're at least hovering around the mid table mark. Hey, well, and, we're, keeping then, Nel- we're keeping Nelson for another season. Yeah, we'll see about that. Well, hey, you know, we have the two good things. That, <laughs> just to run out that game, of course, the last note, of course, was Steven. I think the one to know is Caldwell getting the, the red card. Yeah, I didn't which, see it. Which was, it happened fast. And to me, my, my gut reaction was, you know, a ball's bouncing a roughly waist, chest high. He goes in with his foot and hits the player. Sees, gets a straight red. Uh, that's a bit tough for me. I think that's, I, I just feel like a yellow for, of course, a yellow, no a, doubt. There's but, a new rule now, though, with tackling, and if your studs are up, that's it. it's immediate expulsion, right? His studs are up. So can't, I can't argue with that. I, mean, I just would have liked to have seen, in a game like this, where there was an elbow in the head. I mean, I mean, the rule is there so that people don't get injured. Sure. Right? So that's the thing. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it happened to me. I can say that I took out a tack. I did a tackle like that, and I got thrown out. Right. I got a red, and I don't know. It happens. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like a it's a fine line between that and a slide tackle, right? Mm-hmm. It's dangerous now to do those kind of things. Yep. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's a great rule, but I also know why they did it. Sure. Right. So people don't get butchered. Yeah. And then down that last stretch, I mean, we would have seen the the play where Braun. Looked to be not in a bad position there on the last set piece, and Colin just kind of plows right through him. And at that point, you know, everyone just threw up their hands. Uh, Ryan Nelson gets ejected, and I think one of his assistants got ejected too. I couldn't see who else got thrown out. I mean, that was the game right then and there. And then, of course, at the end of the oh, that was at the end of the first half. The referee gave us a free kick and then blew the whistle to the end of the half. Yeah, that was just great. to keep adding in all these things before that, the kick could get taken. Yeah, it just was like. <laughs> I just, you know, it's, I hadn't seen that before. No, of course you didn't. This is always something new with these refs in this league where they just are like, huh, what? Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. What you going to do? And you're just, well, okay then. Uh, so they, that's, that's how kind of this game wraps up two to one. We're out of the playoffs. We're still not better than 2012, sitting on 23 points. Um, but of course, uh, if we segue out of this match, uh, there's a couple of interesting tidbits, of course. Uh, Tim Bezpachenko was announced this week. That way, which sort of came out of nowhere because when we were talking, when the week was coming up, we were I sort think of if you've got nothing to say, you might as well come up with other stuff to <laughs> try and promote, right? Sure. Uh, and if I, we we needed that spot because Kevin Payne was uh, let go, so yep. he needed to find somebody. But they probably had this guy already in the bag, right? They couldn't do it in the same week, so they just you know this becomes a good news story in the in a, a season of bad news stories, right? Sure. You know, I watched this this, um, this press conference, and uh, the first thing that my he first looks a bit like a dork. 
You know what I was going to say? He looks like he should be working for the Daily Planet instead of Toronto FC. Yeah, for He sure. was a spitting image of yeah. Peter Parker. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't hear anyone else talk about that. But, I mean, we see, like we said... That I, doesn't mean anything. I mean, mm-hmm. his, I mean, because his pedigree looks pretty good. His pedigree looks... Well, I, I mean, maybe the positions he holds and, and maybe the weight that... Uh, the spin doctoring is going. It seems like maybe some of this is believable. Yeah. You know, be, be, I mean, he's held a position with MLS, right? Doing yeah. uh, all this negotiating of contracts. And so that puts him in a position where he um, knows very well about how to, I guess, manage a, a salary cap and maybe push it through, right? He probably knows the ins and outs of the system and how to get the signings done. So think uh, i mean that that's not to say that kevin payne didn't know that I, I think you know kevin payne was dealing with some really you know top-notch players to try and get and i guess there's a couple of names that have been floated around like kasana uh wasn't he one of that was in the paper oh that's that's paper? moving forward yeah that's not for that wasn't Payne though no i'm not talking about oh, okay i'm talking about uh this new guy sure i think this is what his uh sites have been set on so he's going to get this italian uh striker they definitely have the, the two places they've said now, whether it's Cassano or Ad, uh, Emmanuel Adebayor, uh, or England and Italy. Right. Though, or Syria and EPL, the two places they're looking to get a player. Now, those are just names associated with them, I think. And obviously, players who might not be in favor with their clubs. So, who might have an opportunity to get signed from Toronto FC. That's sort of what's out there. I guess that's where they're, yeah. Um, the other thing too to add on to what you're saying yeah to what to add on what you're saying too is of course working those contracts with the league is also he's dealing with all the other GMs in Major League Soccer so he also has a relationship with other teams that was another bonus like when I was looking at the things that that would give him a network but also like an insider's uh, knowledge about who's looking for who yes and where they're looking yeah so yeah, I think there's a whole bunch of things that are haven't been really talked about with uh, regards to his for, his former position. No, and I think that's important because it's not necessarily just about signing a Cassano or an Adebayo or no, whoever. It's not, no, it's about signing. It's I about mean, we, we signed Frings, right? Right. He's he was a top notch player. Yeah, that doesn't make him. I mean, Laurent Robert. You know, his quality was there. Yep. Until like two games in, when he realized that <laughs> yeah. he had to work with, right? Right. He's trying to build a team, not, yes. not, a, not a player. Right. It's about, and you know, that his thing is about, you know, swinging a deal for a guy like a Graham Zussi. Well, he's at, saying... He, or for finding players that we can wheel and deal for maybe a Jeff Lorenowitz and getting him to come here. Like guys who are just MLS caliber, top shelf MLS caliber players. Yeah. And that's what, that's what his, I think he's going to be tested from is who with, he can move around and bring here to improve the team. With the other thing that they've been saying is to... F- find people in positions right mm-hmm. so i think they're saying all the right things but we know that they've said all the right things before yeah so well the one thing that i'm f- not holding my breath yet no <laughs> so wait and see and i think that's why they've also extended the season tickets till january, january. because i think that maybe they want you to maybe they're sort of bolstering their own like saying okay we, we agree with you wait and see yeah. But they're calling us. It's like a bluff, right? Sure. <laughs> I think MLS is trying to do the bluff thing game. Yeah. We will see. We will. Well, I think, you know, looking Thanks at this. Thanks for the extension. <laughs> just keep saving up for a couple more months. Yeah. Um, when I'm looking at this setup, though, I'm still not totally convinced, although I've heard the reason why. But 
the way Lewicki talks, and we've discussed about the way he sort of described Toronto and the things that need to happen. And I can understand, you know, Bezbachenko, I can understand how that makes sense. But I have to be honest, I still think Ryan Nelson is, you know, is sort of the, what's the word I'm looking for? He's, he's the one that's standing apart that just like, to me, that doesn't seem like the obvious fit for what Laiwiki is describing as how this club should be running. But maybe Laiwiki will, uh, he's giving him the benefit of the doubt, uh, knowing that this guy should, this new GM should be able to deliver the goods in terms of players. And if Nelson still can't turn around the team, then he's got ammunition to get rid of him. Yeah. And, you know, it also allows him to say, well, uh, we are also trying to stabilize the team by giving a coach more than a year, which has never happened. Yeah. Right? More, yeah, more or less. I mean, Vinter, I think, it's was never, the longest a year and a half. I guess, yeah. Maybe. Had a year I guess Vinter was a year and a half for from Jurgen Klinsmann's uh, recommendation that they hire a coach for three years. Interestingly, as you said off air, off mic last two podcasts ago, I think they're not very good at taking his recommendations. Yeah, at all because Aaron Vinter wasn't even on the list. And speaking of short Aaron, list, let's just say that. Speaking of Aaron Vinter, a friend of mine told me that he was listening to some talk radio over in England uh, with regards to football and uh, the pedigree of Dutch coaches came up as a discussion point. Uh, for which point they said, yeah, there's never been a bad Dutch coach. And then they named the exception of being Toronto. So <laughs> it's interesting that in England, Toronto's reputation precedes itself. And then they said, maybe it's not the coach, <laughs> which alluded to other problems at Toronto that, oh. that uh, people overseas can see in Toronto. Yes. Which makes me think that all the speculation about our reputation is somewhat accurate. Yeah. People know us. But not in a good way. But not in a good way. Yeah. Well, and I think to, if I'm going to try to keep it things positive, I do feel a large part of the problem was, of course, the the executive structure that was in place for the last seven years. And and now we're seeing them all pushed Lee, out. Leave finally, yeah. And I think it's that's a huge the step. Turno- the turnover finally it's the, happened. And it's the right, it's the right moves. I mean, the, the... The turnover always happened in the wrong positions, yes. and now it's happened in the right position. Exactly. And let's see if it affects... Let's see if it has the effect. I don't think any to. coach would have ever done successful here with Anselmi, Cochran, and Byrne having their hands in things with this club. I don't, it just would have been the same thing year after year after year, and they would have all just turned around and pointed at it saying, oh, it's a coach. Yeah. We're going to... And then they would have gone and cons- get a consultant from someone else or got a consultant from somewhere else. And sure. we're going to get it right and we're going to print off some new marketing materials to mail to you. And Well, the fact that they didn't take Jurgen Klinsmann's uh, uh, recommendations like to heart in terms of the shortlist is telling to me. I mean, they just, uh, obviously, they hired this guy with good advice. The guy's like, a you know, his reputation is well known and yet... I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and they would, but it's consistent know, with it's a consistent over the last and, years, of, and they kept it from everybody. Like they like, why didn't they tell us who the shortlist was? I mean, obviously for protecting themselves, right? Yeah, it's just bullshit to me. Not not that they would ever disclose that kind of a shortlist because, and maybe they couldn't get those people on the shortlist. But like, we never. But we don't know anything about it. Like, yeah, and it's just, I mean, you know, this allows us to speculate even more that these guys were in the dark, really. Yeah. Oh, the, so the one other thing. Uh, I think tying in this all in was, of course, uh, maybe not sights and sound. I don't know what it is. I mean, I met up with uh, Mark and Chris before the game, and I think it's we've kind of like hinted at. I think we might have mentioned it last week on the podcast that 
uh, we knew that uh, these guys were once again we meeting with uh, Tim Lewicki. Right, that's interesting. And they have a meeting coming up with, uh, with Toronto FC and MLS. But they met with him, and I thought that was, because obviously they met with Kevin Payne, and it was interesting to get their insights of what they thought about him. And then Kevin Payne gets fired, and now they're meeting up with, with Tim Lewicki. And I thought, and that's where the sort of that, that story came out of maybe the potential players that Toronto FC is looking to sign. But an, interesting, an important tidbit coming out of that, though, is that I don't know if it was expressly detailed, but the player we were looking, we probably will be looking to sign in January, still won't be available until after the World Cup. That's the target that we're looking for. So if you're looking at England and you're looking at Italy or Serie A, you're looking at a player who's playing for a national team. That's another thing that Wiki was saying. It's like, don't, don't name a guy like, uh, I think they threw a Dirk Kout, and he's like, he's not playing for Holland right now. Don't, don't, no. Look at guys who are, who are playing for these national teams and that's what they're going to be targeting. And they're not going to be there at the start of the year. We're probably looking at guys that are going to be coming in after the World Cup. So it's interesting because the thing that's, the, the, the one concern that when I both, say that. That's only, that's one DP or both? Two. So, we're like, they're targeting two strikers, which so I think is So we're looking for another half season of crap, right? Potentially, unless they work extra hard in the off season to fill out the rest of the roster, which is what they have to do. Um, but that's what we said they should have been doing all along. Yeah, maybe this young kid will be trying to prove his, uh, you know, worth. Well, that's I mean, his the one thing. Of course, he said over he'll and probably, over again, he'll probably be ambitious. But yeah, but his whole thing was saying, of course, he worked with Toronto FC over last years, and the word that he kept throwing it was budget inefficiencies, right? Where Toronto was signing players like a Darren O'D on you know four hundred thousand dollar, four hundred thirty thousand dollar guaranteed salary. So it's like once you get rid of him, you still have to pay him for the rest of the year. Right. Like that's not the way to manage your your budget so that when you lose these guys, you still haven't fixed any problem that year. You really don't have a lot of things to do and you're still handcuffed until that's off the books. And uh, that's the thing I think I'm interested to see. But to add into that is like, um, you know, part of that comes to come attached to that is just the massive turnover that we've seen with this club. And that's what goes hand in hand, I think, with finding, you know, signing the right guy in the first place. Of course, that's what he said. And one thing I kind of wanted to throw out there, too, is now that the season's winding down to the stretch and we know we're not in the playoffs, obviously. I'm wondering if there's some guys that are kind of like lingering on the fringe that it might be worth getting some minutes. And specifically, I'm thinking of Stephen Fry because we know he's not going to be back next year. We know it seems like he's the guy that might be the odd man out. If he's sitting on the bench for this season, then what he's not an asset to anyone else. He's just he's just something that you're gonna dump and can be and then can become an asset for someone else. Yeah. I think he's a guy that has potential that maybe we could trade him for a draft pick and use that yeah. going into 2014. And you could use the game time as like a resume piece. Yeah. For sure. If you I mean it seems like Look at how great this guy is. We'll trade him for something. Yeah. But, you know, I looked through the, I looked through the table and there's a couple of teams you can see sort of in the mid bottom half that, uh, you know, San Jose was one that came to mind with Bush, who's 37 years old. Maybe he missed a career, might be coming to an end and they need to bring in a guy that's got some, you know, 100 MLS games under his belt, which Stefan Fry pretty much does. Yeah. Uh, that might be a team to look at. I don't know. And the, looking at the teams that don't get into the playoffs, so that's something that I think we should look at. Uh, through these last final months of the year is maybe getting some guys and even Kyle Becker as well. I mean, he came in for a few minutes at the end of the game. 
But we got to get him moving. We got to get these some of these guys that have just been sitting out because I think Ryan Nelson might be thinking that there's something at stake when really now at this point there isn't. Yeah. That's, um, good. That's a good point. Yeah. But looking ahead, we have uh, DC United next weekend and we kind of outlined that, what it could be because we don't have Osorio and we don't have Steve Caldwell and that's going to be, I think, a challenge. Uh, even though if DC doesn't have Dwayne D'Ozario, they do have a good offense. And it's one that's been stuttering all year long. But I think if it ever gets going again, when you look at some of those guys that they have, they should still be able to make it happen. Uh, so I'm you know, kind of concerned about that game, that it's not a, sh- it's not a lock for three points whatsoever. And we, ha- we can't seem to score more than one goal a game. Yeah. So it comes to Toronto having to keep a clean sheet, which is now a bigger challenge. That we have our our captain uh, serving suspension. Yeah, in the middle of the park, the spine. Yeah, just sort of taken out. Yeah, the leader at the guy who's kind of marshals that back line and tears a strip off everyone when they screw up. Yeah, um, we won't have that. There'll probably be more disorganization on the back line. It could be. Yeah. Um. So on that note, and Luis Silva is back, well, and, and we'll know how to dismantle it. Yeah, because he'll be used to playing against some of those guys. Mm-hmm. Certainly, Daniel Henry. And Ashton Morgan there too, that if they're in the lineup, you'll know he'll play against them, right? Yes. So should be interesting. But uh on that, uh, unfortunately I will not be at the game next weekend, Steve. Oh no. No. Uh one of my best friends is I'm or I've I'm organizing the bachelor party. So I have to take care of that on uh, Saturday. But I'm gonna find a way to watch the game regardless. So uh to the listeners out there, uh, I'll try to maybe do a podcast on the Sunday and wrap it up and send it out. So everything stays on schedule. It's a crazy last month uh, for me. So it's that's kind of probably be the story for the last uh, three or four games. But you know, it's a hangover. <laughs> well, there's going to be a couple of them, which is sort of you know, it's part of the overall theme, I guess, of covering quote Kim Mitchell, but also to quote the bachelor party theme. Yes, yeah. movies. Anyway, yeah, exactly. Uh, so on that note, Steve Perry, as always, Sparky, Sparky, shirtless Steve, and uh, soaking Spark. Uh, (laughs) uh, we'll catch you guys next weekend after DC thanks for listening Eastside Stand Up is the only Toronto C specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens we want you to be involved reach out to us on Twitter through hashtag BSSU or at Red Nation Online you can email us at have your say at Red Nation Online or info at Red Nation Online Get into the discussion on Toronto FC through Eastside Stand Up and Red Nation Online. You are him. You are him.